Hey Coconut! So yes, I know many of you guys are looking to fire financial independence, retire early. While I'm not always a proponent of it, I get the idea of, you know, people trying to get that choice. So you may not actually retire at the end, but the idea is if you have all the financial capacity, you have this ability to then choose to decide that, okay, I want to take a break. I'm going to retire now. Or I'm going to like take some time off and see how things go. So this is an extremely attractive idea and I'm not always for it. But since you want to know, I'm going to share with you some tips of how to do this in a more palatable manner. Okay, so welcome back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. So today, we're going to spend some time to talk about how to fire, okay? But not like all crazy and shit. Huh? There are some ways to go about doing this. And yeah... It's not all painful. So yes, not all painful does not mean not painful. <laughs> the base idea is you need to be able to make enough income to offset your expenses, right? So the moment you can do that, then you have the financial capacity to decide whether you want to continue pursuing what you do or you want to go into other things in life that you enjoy more or you just want to take a break and not do much, right? So from someone that have actually been there, done that, I would say that you don't really need a lot, a lot to do that life. Uh, maybe you'll need a lot more if you're going to do it here in Singapore. But honestly... If you're going to retire, if you're going to do a fire thing, highly unlikely you'll want to do it here, okay? Because if you're going to fire, essentially you want to take a break from this fast-paced way of life. You don't want to be consistently doing your corporate day in, day out. You have enough of this very high-stress environment that requires you to be extremely productive. Because from a company's standpoint, I'm not going to pay you $5,000, $6,000 to be not as productive as someone that I pay three, four thousand, $4,000, right? So this is a balance sheet problem. Huh? We've talked about this very, 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 very early in episode 2. You can go ahead and check out episode 2. I talk about paychecks. Essentially, from a company's standpoint, they will definitely milk Singaporeans because they are paying you high. If I am operating a company, international company, I will be hiring all over the world, right? So if I hire all over the world and I pay you $5,000 a month compared to if I pay a Malaysian $2,000 a month or if I pay a Filipino $1,000 a month, I'm going to expect you to create value 5x of them, you know, in some ways or another. Maybe because it will be a different process, it's not apples to apples comparison, but I'm paying you five k There's a little bit of market forces here, but on my baseline, I'm still expecting you to be performing certain level of task 
that my hires in other countries cannot do. Or if let's say I'm hiring you to do the same thing, then I'm expecting you to have more output just because I'm paying you more. And that is the base case for capitalism, all right? So <laughs> there's a reason why people are shifting factories out of certain areas and why um, all these US, UK companies, they are hiring in Singapore. You think they come here for fun? No, they come here so that they can capitalize on the regional economy, but at the same time, hire you to provide the same quality work at a fraction of the cost compared to them hiring in UK, compared to them hiring in the US, and in the future, compared to them hiring in China, right? So that is the reality. And because of Singapore's economic model, which is extremely MNC heavy, whether or not they are in finance, whether they are in tech or they're in shipping, all these big multinational companies, they hire about 30 over percent of Singaporeans, right? So a lot of people work for big MNCs. The remaining one third will work for the government and they have a very different pay scheme. But then the rest, which are working for SMEs, actually these SMEs are really also working for the MNCs and, and of course the government. In essence, the government and MNCs are the big two hirers in Singapore. They make up most of the job market. And while they're operating whatever they're doing, there are certain parts of the business that they don't want to do. Like they don't want to do the accounting. They don't want to do the simple processing. They don't want to clean up their office. They want to outsource management of certain things. All the SMEs in Singapore, a lot of them are doing these things. So essentially, if you think about it, our economy is not built on SMEs, not built on artisans, not built on crafts. Our economy is built on big MNCs hiring a lot of people and then there are small little processes being outsourced to SMEs. The SMEs will hire the rest. So the baseline is still MNCs. So in other words, we are still considered cheap labour. Of course, we can go on and on and on and on discussing this thing. But this is one of the core ideas why a lot of people are very, very stressed up because the MNCs will have to push you to make sure it's value for them. So you have to do a lot more work. Your, your work extends endlessly, very long hours. You got to keep doing. It's a very high-stress environment. And yeah, it's capitalism. And in Singapore, that pretty much sums up the overall system. So there's two main ways to do very, very well in Singapore. Number one is to perform extremely well in the corporate space, meet the work culture there, be able to outperform and climb up into leadership and management. The other is to do extremely well in school, get a scholarship and move up the public sector. And that's about it, these two paths. And if you think about it, if you really love these two paths and you're performing well, you won't entertain this idea of fire or you will kind of like, oh, interesting, but you will not double down. So for many people that are very hardcore or trying very hard to fire, to learn to invest, to try to manage their finances, to optimize and capitalize so that they can faster leave this cycle, leave this race, they really don't want to do either. So if you don't want to do either, not working for GLCs, not working for MNCs, then why do you still want to stay here? So if you want to run away from this too, then you probably should leave this place. Go and work somewhere else, explore life elsewhere. The rural life, the suburban life, the artisan craftsman life, you know, the remote working life, the travel around life. There are many, many ways to live and all these different things that are just named right, are just different, different ways that people are living. You can test out different things and ultimately find the life you love. So if you decide to fire, then it's maybe not so expensive as what you think it is because highly you don't want to stay here. 
And if you want to deep dive with me on this whole idea of fire, then you can also check out episode 51. Wow, so many episodes huh? <laughs> by now. So check out episode 51, Healthy Early Retirement Tips. I think over there, I did talk a little bit more about these things. But for today, assuming I'm assuming you're going to embark on fire already, right? So you're dedicated to this idea. My very first tip to you, very first thing that you should do is to load up capital as fast as you can. So that's what we call front-loading. So why front load, right? Okay, by now you would probably have already heard things like time in the market is better than timing the market or have heard this idea of compounding which means like it's exponential growth. Every year you compound, you keep multiplying, multiplying. It's not a linear thing, right? It's a multiplier. So the idea of front loading essentially is to have as much capital in the markets and let it compound for as long as possible. If you want to visualize it, right? Let me give you an example. If let's say you have 100,000 and you're going to compound at 8% a year and we're going to do a 10-year compounding period, okay? So 100,000, 8% a year for 10 years, okay? At the end of this compounding period, you would get a total portfolio value, expected total portfolio value of about 216,000, okay? So you're about one time in 10 years. That's pretty cool, right? But if you were to do it the other way, which is how a lot of people will manage their finances, which is the every month I will save a bit, every month I will save a bit, every month I will invest a bit. Then let's say you start with 10,000 as your starting capital. Every year you add 10 more thousand over a period of 10 years. And this whole portfolio is subjected to 8% annual growth also, which means your first 10,000 will compound for 10 years of 8%. Your second 10,000 only compounds for 9 years, right? Because it only came in year 2. So in this way of doing, your portfolio at the end will be 166,000. And if you compare that with the person that front-loaded with 100,000 from the very start of year one, never added any more, his net portfolio at the end was 216,000. So they made 50,000 more because their dollar was compounding longer in the market. But this is not really a big problem if you are trying to live your life the normal way, right? Essentially, to get a job, set up a family, keep adding money and keep investing. And over time, you keep accumulating capital. You're taking it as it goes along. That's what most people will do. It's not a problem. At the end of 10 years, the person A, which front-loaded 100,000, and you, person B, every year you add 10,000, both your capital injection is 100,000. Nobody added more capital. But because they front-loaded, they got more. And if you're trying to fire, you should front-load. Because that is going to give you more and you're going to be able to fire ASAP. And I think uh, that's, uh, that's the idea of fire. <laughs> you're trying to do ASAP, right? So you, you get the idea, right? And so if you front-load 100,000 and then you continue to add 10,000 every year, in 10 years' time, assuming 8% compounding, you get about 360,000 at the end of 10 years assuming 8% combined, assuming market, no funny thing happened, okay? So that is the plan. What happens, uh, that's another thing, okay? But assuming that's the plan, 360000 in cash, uh, you can do a lot of things. You can buy a small little house in the suburb, in Thailand, in Malaysia, in Vietnam. You can live a lot of places, right? And you sure you want to live in New York? You want to live in California? You want to live in like London? I don't think so, right? You want to live Singapore? You want to shift to another big city? You may want to live in the UK, but you can live in like somewhere in a smaller town like Leicester or Cardiff or something. Or you can live in Nebraska in the US. You, you know, you, there are many other places you can live around the world. Chances are you don't want to live in a big city. You don't want to think on the MNC, GLC way of life. You want to explore other way of life. 360,000 is a miracle. You can do a lot of things.
And then you will tell me like, hey, Reggie, but I don't have 100,000 to start with. So that's the idea. If you don't have 100,000, what is the fastest way to gather the 100,000? Don't plan like the normal people every year, 10K, 10K, 10K. Can you do 30K, 30K, 30K? If you can, then essentially in three years, you will have the 100,000. And this is where all the cost-cutting hacks, la, budgeting measures, they all, they all come in here, okay? So if you are new, you know, you just got a job, you're just out in the labour market. Hey, if you think about it, right, can you live like a uni student for another five years? If you can live like a uni student for another five years, because you were a uni student just last year before you got a job this year, if you can continue <laughs> to live that life for five years, you know, pop out with your friend in the open area, hang out doing nothing, don't need to go to the bar, and do the same thing that you were doing in the uni, in five years, you're going to be rich. You're going to have the 100,000, 150,000. You may even have the 200,000 if you can squeeze a decent job. You know, then, hey, you front-loaded yourself essentially in five years. By 30, you will, you will be very fine. And if you're no longer a uni student, or I know a lot of millennials are not young anymore, so we our average age 28. Huh? So if we are no longer uni kids, we are already in our career for a while, then of course, go through your budget, go through your expenses to try to see what works for you. And we've talked about this extensively. I know a lot of other blogs will teach you how to hack and all those kind of stuff. I will not repeat them here, but there's one thing that I want to point out in the local context, in the Asian context, extremely common, and that is family contribution. And I think I should let you coconuts know that I do not contribute to family expenses. And that's probably one of the reasons why I have managed to front load my capital in such a short period of time. Because if you think about it, I know it's, it's going to be morally a bit challenging, a bit hard, but hey, guys, okay, let, let's just be honest, okay? 300, 300, two parents add together, let's say, okay, let's say $500 for contribution or $300 for contribution, in a year, that it's like three, four, five thousand, six thousand, right? So you can easily collate capital. And my base case, I'm going to give you a base case. You you don't need to copy me, but I just want to put it out there. My base case is, you've graduated. You're in your early days. You're finding a job, and you're doing whatever you can. So you're building yourself up. And yes, Confucianism, blah, 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 your family brought you up, all those kind of stuff. But at this moment in time, actually, their finances are at their lightest because they no longer need to feed you, they no longer need to pay you, you can support yourself. What is going to happen when you contribute to family, okay? One thing is they're going to be spending that money. They are not going to be thinking long term. I have not seen a lot of parents say that, oh, my kid, give me contribution. I'm going to invest this money. No. So back to the same idea of front-loading, the earlier you get capital, the longer you stay invested, the more powerful is your capital going to be. So if you're going to keep giving them money so that they can spend and spend and spend and feel shook, at the end, you are going to be the one in pain. And if you're going to be in pain and it's going to end up in a sandwich generation situation, everybody is going to be in pain. Okay? So what I'm saying here is not to say like, oh, I'm never going to contribute. I'm not filial, blah, 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 whatever. Okay? But... I'm going to handle myself first. I'm going to load up my capital. I'm going to get myself into a very healthy financial situation first. Then I can contribute freely. At that point in time, I don't need to care anymore. I can just keep giving you. It's fine. You want to take, 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 take. Right? Because I've already sorted myself out. So what I recommend for a lot of people in this situation, you have your career, you're in a while in the, in the space, and you've been contributing to family. If you really want to fire, I think one thing you really need to sit down with your parents to talk to them or your family and talk to them say, hey, can we arrange a five-year pause for family contribution? It can be 
first year deduct thirty percent, next year deduct sixty percent, then after the by the third year we stop contributing for five years, something like that. Okay, gradual. So let everybody have some time to acclimatize. But if you can pause family contribution, hey, it's gonna give you the advantage to load up capital in the front and you can compound. So that's gonna get you to your fire. It's amazing. So yes, um, think about it. You don't exactly have to do the family contribution thing, but the idea is to load up capital in the front, okay? Which brings me to point number two, and that is you must have a side hustle. And I will tell you why afterward from our sponsor. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Okay, so for a lot of people, side hustle can be a fun thing to do, or yeah, potentially I get some extra income and all those kind of stuff. And why am I so insistent that you must have a side hustle if you are trying to fire? I've talked about this in episode 51, Healthy Early Retirement Tips, okay? If you want to fire, you better fire into something. Which means you want to see retirement as a transition, right? You want to retire into something that you enjoy, something that you love. Maybe pays less is fine, but you want to do that. That is the life that you are pursuing for. That's the beauty of fire, not like retire and not do anything, right? So in that sense, if you can pick up a side hustle now and you can pick up multiple side hustles over the years to try different, different things, then you can figure out what is the life you want. So that is extremely powerful. What is the best way to do it? Just do it on the side, lah, right? So pick up side hustles. It can be financial, it can be volunteer, it can be some craftsman, it can be doing remote work, all, all those kind of stuff. There are all sorts of ways and all sorts of interesting side things that you can do. It can be a hobby, what have you, okay? But the idea is to make sure you do extra things that are not part of your OG life and trying to discover that new life that you can fire into. And this also helps you to expand your network, right? So that you have a community to fire into. I think this is extremely important because like, um, if you work a traditional job, let's say you're in finance, okay? You're a banker, very typical. Singapore, a lot of bankers, huh? <laughs> but let's say you're a banker, you work in finance. Other than your school friends, most of your friends will be in finance. Let's say you're an artist, most of your friends will be artists because that is the community that you hang out most often. Whether it's for work, whether it's for life, you tend to be in that community. But if you're trying to fire, essentially you're trying to grow a different way of life. You're trying to switch your life to go into something else. So by doing side hustles along the way while you are doing this whole fire thing, then hey, you can have an extra community. You can maybe find a bunch of people that you can do this together or pivot into that way of life. And that is a great way to go about prepping for fire. Some people will focus on the whole like, oh, if you can do side hustles, you can make extra money and you can faster accumulate capital and blah, blah, blah. All those. So, so those are true and those are real. But for me, it's like, okay, I think, I think if you can do that, great. But for me, why you should have a side hustle is because you want to explore, you want to try so that you can transit to the life you want. Okay, not so much about making a lot of money on the side. Of course, if you can transit into something that makes a lot of money and you kind of like it more than your current life, then you can fire into that life. And, and I think that's beautiful and perfectly amazing. But my base idea is, hey... We want to find a life that we want so that we can go into it and not like stress to try to make more money and, you know, hustle our way out of this life. It's not about leaving this life or this current way of life, but really finding this other way of life that we can live and go into, right? So do a side hustle, 
with that idea in mind so that you can fire into that life and not so much about making a lot of money so that you can live this life. Does that make sense? If it does not make sense to you yet, hey, you can DM me on Telegram, we can chat and then, you know, we can talk about it, okay? I will develop this idea further, but essentially find a life you can love and transit into it, fire into that life, okay? Which brings me to point number three and that is extremely cheesy, but build a core portfolio with low-cost fee funds and broadly diversified. And yes, 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 I know. <laughs> You've probably heard this again and again and again and again. And I don't want to go into like, oh, why broadly diversify? Like, why low-cost fees? Like, none of those things. Everybody is telling you to do that, okay? My base case, why I think you should do that. I agree with a lot of what they're saying, what their assumptions and all those kind of stuff. I'm going to share with you why I think you should adopt this strategy rather than the whole like pick your own stocks or go into crypto, try to find the most you kind of thing. Just do this. And this is because for most people, it's probably going to be very hard to pick your own stocks, decide on your own ETFs, which index fund, which bonds to buy, buy crypto, all those kind of stuff. It's going to be relatively hard work. It's going to be pretty difficult for a lot of people to do it. Okay, I'm not saying you shouldn't if you are very interested and you want to give it a shot and you think you have the capacity to do it. Okay, why not? Cool. Join the community, join the members backend, you know, pick up investing knowledge, good stuff. But, Assuming that is not your thing, you just want to fire. You don't want to take on more work, okay? You just want to live a different life. Then the data-backed, most tested system, easiest, lowest risk is this lah. So far, it is this broadly diversified portfolio over different asset class with low-cost index funds. Yes, okay? it's like that. Don't think so much. <laughs> so far, this is the most develop idea okay if the markets change different things things start to look different then hey don't worry man in an era where content is so prevalent it will change sentiments will change you will start to hear new things and things will be different and okay by then you can always adjust your portfolio the idea here is not that this is the best strategy the idea here is that this is the best strategy as of now which means what you need to do when you look at your investments, you look at your own portfolio, is not to outsize profit and make a lot of money and try to beat the market and all those kind of stuff. You can be perfectly happy making a line with the market. You can make profits with the same with the market can already. You don't need to make more than the markets. So 8%, 10%, amazing, good year on year. You just need to focus on finding the life, continue to compound, gather your capital and reduce your expenses and discover the other life that you want, and that's about it. So really, if you think about it, fire in itself is not about being very, very, very wealthy so that you can like leave the system and never ever come back, but it's really about finding out the other life that you can live that is relatively more affordable compared to where you are at, and how do you move towards that life? Okay, because if you are already very wealthy, you will not look at it as fire. You will just look at it as like, oh, okay, I want to change my life. Right? So, if you're looking at it from a fire angle, it means you're uncomfortable with the current way of life and you want to go into something else. So, these are your major pointers that can help you towards to go into something else that would very likely cost a lot less, less stress, a different pace of life, and it can be beautiful and amazing. Okay? 
So I'm going to sum up today with these three pointers. Number one is to load up capital ASAP because the faster you have capital, the more you can compound, the more you can grow. This is already very basic, but hey, instead of following the other people, 10K, 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 10K every year, you want to try very hard to get 100K right from the start. So you load up ASAP. After that, you want to continue to add capital. Okay, great. If you don't want, hey, you have a load. It's going to be much easier for you to fire. Okay, number two is you must take on a side hustle because when in this process of taking side hustles, you learn different things, you try different things and you will find that life or there's a higher likely chance of you finding that life that you can fire into, right? So the whole idea of fire is to go into something else and not, not do anything, okay? So pick up a side hustle as an extension of your network, as an extension of trying different life and hey, maybe you will find that life you love. And number three is build a core portfolio with low-cost index funds, broadly diversified, very boring, yes, I know. So, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, reach out to us on our socials and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, sign up for our members backend for more investment-related content, live discussion, curator content, and most importantly, your commitment to us is a step forward for us to continue creating great content focused on you rather than advertisers. For more information, check out thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Okay, yay, woo! I hope you learned something cool today. Um, the idea is I'm not a big proponent of trying to push everybody to fire, 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 fire. Okay, I mean, like, what the hell? <laughs> because the idea is you want to fire into a life that you love. And if you don't know what you want yet, then you don't really need to fire into that life or you don't need to like be committed to very structured products. And I've talked about it in the whole like financial planning episode, which was only a few weeks back. So check that out also. And... The base idea is your goals. What do you want? And what do you want is not a simple answer. Things are ever-changing. You're always experiencing new things. So take your time to experience it. Be cognizant about it. Know that you don't know what you want. Okay, it is perfectly beautiful if you know that you don't know what you want because you can be on that search. So fire is not something that I am very, very big on. But if you know what you're trying to go for, hey, then fire in itself is a pretty good strategy. And today we've talked about some very good points that can be part of your fire playbook. And I hope it works for you. I hope you can find that life that you love and, you know, fire lah, essentially, right? That, that's why you listen to here, man. <laughs> so yes, for next week, we're going to talk a little bit about how to eliminate impulse spending. So I think impulse spending is something that is... Um, pretty common, especially these days, a lot of people are at home and your digital advertisers are crazy. They're trying to get you at every corner. So I'm going to try to give you some framework to eliminate impulse spending or eliminate is a very big word, okay? But I'm going to share with you how you can potentially do it, okay? It's a very psychologically trained um, episode and we will talk about this um, next week, lah, okay? Later this week, we're going to continue with our Provident Chill Swift TFC series and we're going to have a chat with Eleanor and May Queen and they're one of the early, early people at Provident. And we're going to talk about essentially estate planning, okay? Which is uh, a little bit heavy 
But I thought it was it was very insightful. I had a very good chat with them. Uh, but estate planning is something that is a lot more than just a will. I think I've learned that so far. Uh, but a lot of young people will think it's not important. Lah. Like we don't need to estate plan. You know, we're still young, live our lives. Why care, right? So I think it's something that you should listen to no matter what's your age so they get a decent idea about what's going on. And that will also sum up our series with Providence. So let us know. Let me know if you enjoy the series with Providence. I definitely had fun working with them and, you know, digging their brains. I be paise one. By now you should know. So <laughs> I hope you had fun. I hope you learned some good stuff. And let us know, man. If you like these kind of series, we can always pitch to other people to sponsor these series and continue to create great content for you. So yeah, take care. See ya, guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.